It's a joy to see you here this morning. If you have your Bible, I need you to turn to two places in the Gospel of John. You'll need to put your finger in John chapter 8 and in John chapter 15 as we continue our sermon series for this fall called Foundations of Faith as we look at regular spiritual habits, the importance of growing in our faith and engaging in the same activities that we see Jesus himself engaging in. Now, Again, the definition we've been using for spiritual disciplines um, out of the Donald Whitney's book, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life, is this. I want us to get this in our minds. Spiritual disciplines are those practices found in Scripture that promote spiritual growth among believers in the gospel of Christ. And what we're doing is we're looking at several of those over the coming weeks. Um, and as we look at these spiritual habits, again, this isn't about duty. This is not about drudgery. This is about delighting ourselves in Jesus, who is the foundation of our faith. Jesus himself is the chief cornerstone. Jesus himself is the one who died for our sins. He is the head of the church, and we are to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. So all of us are here. We are to build our lives on the foundation of Christ and engage in the same things we see Jesus engaging in. Again, I'll remind you, Jesus didn't simply come to save us from our sins, even though that is essential. He came also living the way that we are called to live, a life of self-sacrifice, a life of joy-filled, spirit-empowered love for his Father and for others. And so, that is the main thesis of this series. So this morning... We're going to look at one text out of John 8, one verse, and then a couple verses out of John 15. And as I look at this idea of abiding in the Word of Christ, that, that part of what it means to grow as a disciple is to live in the words of Jesus, to abide in the words of Jesus. This is why we should live our lives growing in our knowledge and understanding of Christ through His Word. So, John chapter 8 Verse 1 says this. I have to turn there myself. John chapter 8, verse 31. John chapter 8, verse 31. This is what Jesus says. It says, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now skip over to chapter 15, beginning in verse 7. Jesus picks up on this same theme, and he, and he, spread, and he says a, few, a little bit more to his disciples. He says, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you. Notice that. He says in John chapter 8, if, my, if, you, if, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And then here in chapter 15, he says, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you by this my Father is glorified that you may bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. Now, I just have two main ideas here this morning, two very simple but very complex ideas that I want to drive home today. 
And it begins with this. Number one, Jesus, our Lord and Savior, Jesus saturated his life with the Word of God. There is no way to read through the Gospels, there's no way to examine the life of Christ without coming to the conclusion that everything about Jesus involved God's Word. He himself is the Word of God who has come to fulfill the Word of God and be the final and full revelation of God himself to us. Jesus himself saturated himself, saturated his life with the Word of God. Now, some of you might be interested in that word saturated. Let me explain what that means. All right? Many of us in here have worked with sponges. You take a sponge, it's dry, you stick it in water, what does it do? It soaks up the water. Then when you squeeze it, water comes out if it is saturated. Or the idea of making coffee or tea. We don't make coffee or tea by simply dipping the bag in the water one time, and that makes water into tea. No, no, no. We have to saturate the water with the coffee or the tea in order for it to be saturated. And so when you look at Jesus' life, everything in him, whenever, wherever he turns, wherever he goes, from his childhood in the temple to him beginning his ministry, everything about Christ is centered on God's word. Jesus knew the importance and the power of God's word. Jesus knew that God had spoke the world into existence by his very word all the way back in Genesis chapter 1. So now let me give you three reasons why Jesus saturated himself with God's word and why you should too. Okay? Three reasons. Number one, first, God's word is the only word that is eternal. God's word is the only word that is eternal. Isaiah 48 says, The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. There's a lot of words that go on every day, everywhere in social media, everywhere from the news, everywhere to the internet, everywhere, anywhere. Our life is filled with words. But let me tell you something. There's only one book where the words will never, ever go away. And that is the word of God. The reason Jesus saturated his life with the Word of God is because it has, it has stood the test of time and God himself has promised that it is the only Word that will stand forever. You can fill your life with a lot of things, but there's only one way to fill your life with something eternal, and that is to fill it with God's Word as Jesus did. Second reason, God honors his name and his Word above all things. Now that is an incredible statement. God honors his name and his word above all things. Now I don't say that because I think that's true. I say that because God himself says that is true. Listen to what Psalm 138.2 says. David writes this. He says, I bow down towards your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and faithfulness. And here's why David does that. Here's why David bows down towards the temple, why David thanks God for his steadfast love. He says, for you have exalted your name, sorry, you have exalted above all things your name and your word. The reason David bows down and worships, the reason David is thankful is because God has exalted above all things his name and his word. I think Jesus knew that to be true. Jesus saturated himself with God's word because it was eternal and because God honors his name, his, all, above all things, his name and his word because they are connected. And then finally, God accomplishes his will through his word. 
Jesus knows that, that God himself has promised to accomplish his purposes and his will through his word. One of the verses that I had memorized when I was early on in my, in my, in my Bible drill days was Isaiah 55, 10 and 11. It says, for as the rain and snow come from heaven and do not return there without watering the earth to make it spring forth and bud, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So too is my word which goes forth from my mouth and it will accomplish the purpose for which I sent it. It will not return unto me void. That is a verse worth dwelling on and meditating on and hiding away in your heart. God says that I send my word out just like the rain and the snow and it does what rain and snow does and it waters the earth to make it spring forth and bud. It creates life. It creates nourishment and it does what it's supposed to do. God says my word will accomplish all of its purposes. It will not return unto me void. Jesus knows that. Three reasons right there. Number one, God's word is the only word that's eternal. God honors his name and his word above all things. And God accomplishes his will through his word. Now here's what that means for us. If those things are true, if Jesus spends time himself studying God's word, filling his mind and his heart with God's word, saturating his life with God's word, he understands this is the purpose of God's word. If that is true, because of these things... Should we not desire God's word above all things and cherish it in our own lives? Should we not cherish God's word in our own lives in the same way Jesus did? Let me read you another, another scripture that is incredibly important. Psalm, Psalm 19 says this. Listen, listen to the poetry of this about God's word. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. How is the soul revived? Through the word of God. He says the, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. So how do we grow from being from simplicity to wisdom? How do we grow in maturity? David says it is through the testimony of God's sure word. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. Not only do they revive the soul, they rejoice the heart. He says the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Meaning giving us light to see truth, the light to see goodness, the light to see beauty. He says the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Then listen to what David says. In thinking and meditating on all that, he says, more to be desired are they than gold. David said, I'd rather have the word of God than all the gold that there is. Even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. He says, moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. You see how David himself is thinking and dwelling on God's word. And that's my argument this morning, that, that Jesus himself saturated himself with the word of God. And we are called by, by the means of spiritual habits to make sure that we are saturating our lives. Jesus lived his life abiding in God's word. That's the word we read all throughout John 8 and John 15, the word abide. That's the word that he uses for us in John. Abide means to remain, 
I can't abide if I do not remain somewhere. I cannot abide if I do not stay somewhere or to reside somewhere. That's what it means to abide in the Word of God. So Jesus resided in God's Word. He dwelled in God's Word. He breathed it in prayer. If you go read the prayers of Jesus, they are saturated with God's Word. Jesus nourished his soul by eating God's Word as his spiritual food. We looked at that last week. When Jesus responds to the temptations, he says, Man shall not live by bread alone. I don't just need physical food for my physical body. I need spiritual food for my soul. And Jesus did that. He bathed himself in God's word. He lived upon it. And here's the question. Is it any wonder that Jesus knew how to please his father? Is there any wonder that Jesus knew God's will and knew how he was to live? So now let's go back to my overarching thesis. Jesus showed us by the way he lived and the spiritual habits and activities he engaged in how we too should organize and live our lives. So if Jesus saturated his life with God's word, then we must as well. And that only comes through the rigor, through the daily training, through the time and effort given in availing ourselves to spiritual disciplines. You're never too young to begin this, children. You're never too young to begin this, students. Let me tell you, it changed my life, students. I see all of you up there. It changed my life when I was 14 years old, and, and, I, had a, and I had a pastor who challenged me to read one chapter of the New Testament every day. By the time I had finished high school, I had read the New Testament about 20 times. It changed my life. Why? Not because it was magical. It's because God's Word does what God's Word does. When we fill our minds with it, it will leak out of us. You know how long it takes to read one chapter of the New Testament a night before you go to bed? About seven minutes. I had an old King James Gideon Bible. I filled my mind, I filled my mind with a Bible I couldn't even understand. But you know what? It paid off. And I don't regret any minute, any night I spent doing that before I laid my head down. If Jesus did it, this is the Son of God. If He did it, how much more so should we do it? And that's my second point. Believers must saturate their lives with Christ and His Word. Look at John 8.31. Look at our text for the day. Look at what Jesus says in John 8.31. Pay attention to every word of Jesus. Says So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. He says, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now Jesus, just as Jesus saturated his life with God's word, do you not see here that he expects his disciples to saturate themselves in his word? That's what he says. If look Plainly, he says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. That begs the question. Here's the question. Can I call myself a follower of Jesus? Can I call myself a disciple of Jesus if I do not abide in his word? Again, disciples are called to abide, to remain, to dwell in, to stay upon, to hold fast to his word. We are to live upon the word of Christ in the same way Christ lived upon God's word. Now Jesus says that if you do that, 
you'll know something. He says, if you abide in my words, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Now, the truth is the gospel. That is the word that Jesus brings to us. Jesus is bringing to us the gospel. We are to to abide in the truth of the gospel that Jesus has given us. It is the gospel. Think of this. It is the gospel that has set you free from the penalty of sin. It is the gospel that has freed us from the penalty of sin. It is the gospel that has set us free from the power of sin in our lives. It is the gospel that one day will free us from the very presence of sin. That is the hope we have, that one day, because of the gospel, Jesus will bring us unto himself, and we will be free not only from the penalty and the power of sin, but from the very presence of sin forever. So we must abide in the words of the gospel. And this is so important, by the way, throughout your New Testament. This is so important that we understand the, the word of the gospel that Jesus brings to us, that Paul says, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by what? The word of Christ. You have to abide in the word of Christ. That is the gospel. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. That you have to hear the gospel and believe the gospel in order to be saved. Now let's, make a, let's ask a critical question here in John 8. Why must disciples pay special attention to Christ's word? Why does Jesus say there, you know, why does he say there so plainly, if you abide in my word? You are truly my disciples. Notice the emphasis there. Jesus doesn't say abide in God's word, though that would be true. Jesus says if you abide in my word, my word, why must disciples pay special attention to Christ's words? Here is the the critical connection you have to make. It's because Jesus' words are God's words. The reason I listen to Jesus differently than even I listen to my pastor, the reason I listen to Jesus differently than I listen to the news, differently than I listen to a president or to the Pope or to anyone else, the reason I listen to Jesus differently is because Jesus' words are God's very words. It is Jesus that is the full and final revelation of God. It is Jesus who has come as the fulfillment of all of God's word to us. Meaning that when I pick this up, I am reading God's word, and when I pick this up, all of this word is ultimately about Jesus. It is ultimately about Jesus. It is pointing to Christ and the hope of the gospel he brings. Now flip back in your Bible, because I want you to see that this is, this is why this is so important. Flip back in your Bible to John chapter 5, just three chapters earlier. Go back to John chapter 5. This is why we fill our lives with God's word, so you read it all together. Look at John chapter 5, beginning in verse 39. This is super important. If you're in John 5, 39, say amen. If you're not there, say hold up. Oh, just a few hold ups. That's good. All right. So John chapter 5, beginning in verse 39. This is Jesus having a very strong conversation with the religious leaders. He's about to lay the hammer on them. And listen to what he says. He's speaking to like the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He says... You search the scriptures. That's good, right? Search the scriptures. You should do that. But look what Jesus says. He says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. That is an incredible statement. 
Jesus says to the religious leaders, you're doing a great job searching the scriptures. You know the Old Testament. Good job, guys. But you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. Now look what he says. It is they that bear witness about me. He says, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. Jesus says, you're not going to find life or eternal life in the scriptures. Because the purpose of those scriptures is to show you where to find life. And that's in me. It's in me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. As he will say over in John 14. Now, skip over, skip over to ch- verse 44. Verse 44, sorry, go, go down. Um, uh, let's keep skipping down. All right, here we go. I'm going to start in verse 45. Verse 45 right there. He says, do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. So Jesus says, I'm not going to accuse you to the Father, even though I'm the only person you can have eternal life. He says, do not think I will accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses. You know the Old Testament. Moses wrote the first five books of the Old Testament. You've set your hope on Moses. You think that in Moses you have eternal life. He says, there is one who accuses you, Moses, on whom you have set your hope. And then look what Jesus says. If you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? Remember, Jesus is bringing the word of the gospel. And then in John 8, he says, you abide in my word. Not the word of Moses, even though the word of Moses is true. But what is the point of the word of Moses? To point to Jesus, to show you the hope of Christ. Now, Jesus makes this same claim in Matthew 5. Not just in John's gospel, in Matthew 5, Jesus says, Do not think I've come to abolish the law. I've not come to abolish, but to fulfill. He says, for truly I say, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. And then he says, a few chapters later, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Jesus' words are God's very words. Jesus himself is speaking the very word of God to us. And this is why Jesus' words are the most important words in history. And I'm not trying to draw a dichotomy between what Jesus says and what the rest of God's word says. But just know all of God's word is pointing to Jesus. And Jesus is bringing the gospel. And the gospel is the only hope any of us have. It is the only hope we have. And so this is why we emphasize the spiritual discipline of Bible reading. Not as a duty, not as a duty, a checkbox, something that I have to do, but as a delight for the soul. The great goal of spiritual habits is to see Jesus more clearly. Read Moses to see Jesus. Read Isaiah to see Jesus. Read Psalms to see Jesus. Because the more you see Jesus, the more clearly you see Him, the more fully you will know Him, the more deeply you will love Him, and the more faithfully you will follow Him. It's about falling in love with Jesus. That is the great goal. So don't read the Bible. This is the, this is the trap of seminary. And this is why seminary, I am a seminarian. I teach in a seminary. <laughs> I've went to seminary a long time. This is how seminary ruins a great Amini preacher. And y'all would say amen to that. Jacob, seminary might have ruined you. Because in the seminary, you're taught to analyze theology more than you're taught to adore Jesus. Jesus isn't meant to be put under a microscope. Jesus is meant to be loved, worshipped, and adored. 
And so, theology is important. I love it. I know it. I study it. But you have to study it for the right, with the right heart and the right motive. And that is to know and love Jesus better. So read your scriptures to adore and worship Jesus. Read it to understand and know the truth of the gospel more clearly. So let me give you a critical application then. Okay, let's just finish this up. Go to John 15 and let's apply what I think Jesus begins in John 8 to what he says to his disciples in John 15. So let's make a critical application. Look back at John 15 and notice what Jesus says there again. So again, Jesus' words are God's words. I have to abide in, wor- in Jesus' words to be a disciple. The word Jesus brings us is the gospel by which we are saved. He says, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you. So this means not only are you abiding and living in Jesus, but the very words of Jesus are living in you. My words abide in you. So not only does Jesus take up residence in our heart, his word takes up residence in our heart. And so he says, if you, by words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. And now Jesus tells us how to abide in his love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I, I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. And Jesus tells us why we should do that. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. One of the greatest lies of the enemy that he tells everybody is that Jesus is trying to steal joy from you. Jesus is trying to steal happiness from you. And if you just got to do everything you wish to do, every sin you wish to chase down, every, every lust you wish to fulfill, every greed you wish to hold on to, if you could just have those things, you'd be happy and have joy. And Jesus says, no, I am joy. And walking in me and abiding in me will, will give you joy for eternity. Joy for eternity, not temporary fleeting pleasures of sin. And so, listen here. Let me apply this. You cannot abide in Christ's words and be his disciples if you do not know him or his word. It's very simple. You must abide in Christ's word. And you cannot know Christ's word apart from the Bible and apart from the gospel witnesses. You cannot abide in Christ's words if you do not know his words. You cannot obey Christ's commands if you do not know what he has actually commanded. That's a very simple, logical proposition. Same one that we use on our children. Your children will use, sorry, that your children use on you. Mom, I did not clean my room because you did not tell me to clean my room. That is the other lo- that's the other side of the logic. Jesus, I'm telling you that you cannot obey Christ if you don't know his commands. But the, problem, the issue is he has given us his commands in his word. All right. Now, you cannot abide in Christ or abide in his love or be filled with his joy. This is what Jesus is saying in John 15. You cannot abide in him or abide in his word, or abide in his love, or be filled with his joy apart from knowing and obeying him. Abiding in him. Abiding in his word. Now let me conclude here. How do we saturate our lives with God's word? That's the whole point of this sermon. How do we saturate 
our lives with God's Word. I would suggest doing something simple, like reading it every day. I would suggest something simple, like making a list of verses that you need to hide in your heart so that you can better know and obey Christ. I would suggest soaking your mind in God's Word. I would suggest living upon it day by day, moment by moment. Now, one of my favorite prayers in all of the Bible is when David himself prayed, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in God's sight. How can you do that? And let me tell you how you can do that. How can I know that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart will be pleasing in God's sight? Let me tell you how. When our words are Christ's words, when we speak like Him, when our mind is so filled with Christ's Word that we think like Christ, when our heart's desires and inclinations are so filled with Christ's Word that His heart becomes our heart, then we can be sure that the words of our mouths and the meditations of our heart are pleasing in God's sight. Let me go back to my illustration of making tea or coffee. You can't make tea by simply dipping the bag in the water once. You're not going to fill your mind with Christ's word by coming here on Sunday morning and listening to me for 25 minutes. Y'all should laugh every time I say that. It's like 35 or 40 minutes. Um, But that's not it. I know some of you like weak coffee. I've seen how you order at 1822. You really just want sugar, cream, and caramel. You don't want the coffee. That's okay. That's okay. It's free advertisement right there. Um, That's okay. But the point is, when we're making coffee and we're making tea, we have to soak in it. We have to let it soak in. And if you are going to grow in Jesus, you have to let that soak in your heart. Let it soak in. That's why we have to abide in the words of Jesus so that we can become more and more like him each day as he saturates our minds and hearts by the gospel. And that's why it's important that we practice spiritual habits like reading our Bibles. Um, I want to pray for us and then we'll have a brief time of invitation. Father, we ask today that your word has spoken clearly to our hearts and it's accomplished its purposes in us. That, Father, we would desire that the life of Christ would be manifested in our lives. Because it was Paul who said, um, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And so, Father, I pray that Christ's life, Christ's word, would would ring out of our daily lives as we soak our minds and our hearts and our souls in Jesus. So, Father, we pray you would do this in us now for Christ's sake. Amen.